My brother-in-law, Sean Olbs of the IFILS, was able to chat with Jillian Rossi over Zoom video. Sean and Jillian talk about where she was born and raised, Long Island, and how she got into music. Jillian talks about going to Berklee College of Music. Jillian is the first independent pop artist in history to reach 100,000 pre-saves on back-to-back songs. She did that with Fever Dream, and she did that with her most recent song called Give Me a Reason. And Jillian and Sean talk all about that as well. You can watch the interview with Jillian Rossi on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Jillian Rossi. All right, everybody, we got Jillian Rossi here with us today, and I am very excited to talk about her epic success lately um, with her song Fever Dream and what she's up to next. Uh, Jillian, what's up? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Currently in L.A., been living out here for like a month and a half, kind of new. Um, Yeah, it's been going pretty well, and uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Nice. How how are you enjoying L.A.? I've, I've... lived there for for 10 years myself so uh and i, I really yeah. enjoyed it you know i, I know of, co- of course the past uh year and a half or so has been kind of weird but uh besides that how have you have you been enjoying it yeah it's been good it's been a little hot i got ac like late into my apartment so it was very mm. hot for the first few like two weeks um but it's been better and uh i've been having some fun so it's it's good i've been doing a lot of sessions out here like every day so it's good times I really do think Los Angeles, as far as this moment in time, is the best place to be for music. I know there's there's some other areas, uh, but uh, it's just there's so many artists there. It's you yeah. know if, if that's really what you want to do, you got so many people to work with. Yeah, that's kind of that's why I moved from New York to here. I just I love New York, and I'm such like a New York New Yorker forever. But I uh, the opportunity out here was just a lot more. There's a lot more people to work with in person. Yeah, I was talking with, um, I did an interview with uh, ex-ambassadors and it, it was just something I'd never thought of living in New York, but they were originally from New York and they were talking about how when they'd gig there, literally they'd have to like bring their drums on the subway, you know, to go from like place to place just for like bands. I mean, it sounds yeah. tough. No, for sure. I, uh, New York is definitely more crowded and you get way less space for what you pay. Uh, so LA has been a nice spread out surprise. For sure. So, so you've had some great success recently. Um, but before we talk about that, would you mind letting us know how you got into music and, uh, you know, do you have any first memories of, of getting into music or feeling like music was what you wanted to do? Yeah. I think my earliest memory of, music in my life was when I was six years old. I got up on stage at like this like farm festival thing on Long Island where I'm from and I sang Complicated by Avril Lavigne. Um, nice. And I don't think it was very good, but um, definitely was like, I got up right up on the stage six years old and I wanted to be in front of people singing something. Um, and then around 10, I, or like before like that, at around 10, I started, I was singing in the back of like a, my mom's old friend's car. And she was like, Jillian has a really good voice. And I was like, what? And uh, she was like, yeah, you should like look into singing lessons. I think she could be really good. Like, I, I don't know. She, she knows all these words. She, everybody in my family would always say like, 
like as a young kid, I knew lyrics, like full on lyrics to songs so quickly. Um, right. And uh, they thought it was kind of weird. So I got singing lessons. And um, before that, I had actually played the viola for like years and uh, in like elementary school into middle school. Um, and I had to give up orchestra to join chorus. So that was like a big musical step into being a singer in my life back then. Yeah. Um, Viola's cool. Do you still play it at all? Or? No, unfortunately, I'm very bad now. But I was really okay. good for like a 10 to 12 year old. <laughs> um, mm. And, um, you know, I recently just for my next single, we did like a whole string arrangement and I like helped arrange certain parts and I like told the viola to do something cool and like the bridge section. So that felt that felt good. It felt like a piece of that came back in my life. Um, but like the weirdest thing about my musical life is that around the time I started taking singing lessons, I started rewriting songs on the radio and making them about food and putting them on YouTube as like awesome. a 11 year old kid. They were called food spoofs. It was horrible. Um, Genius <laughs> though, for, for YouTube content for a kid. I feel like yeah. that's, that's So awesome. it was like paparazzi, it was pizzeria. And like, yeah, it was, it was a lot of that. And I would just, I was just writing, rewriting all these songs. And like, I look back on the songs now and I'm like, I was really like creative and like the rhymes were all right. And like, I kind of just had a knack for, um, I guess, words. And then um, me and a friend in fifth grade, rewrote New York State of Mind and made it our school's name School of Mind and they played it at graduation and then I was writing like songs at summer camp for like Color War and uh just kind of all stumbled into me like doing this forever and going to music school for college and um an arts high school for two years like before I went to Berkeley College of Music and now I'm here out in LA being an artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing it, living yeah. the dream. And I feel like, it, first of all, I think humor, like knowing how to, you know, just inject humor into pop music is something yeah. that you see a lot nowadays. And uh, so, so that was something you were learning, but you were also just probably sharpening your skills, probably noticing elements of songwriting as you were modifying these, these pop songs. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, you know, when I like, I like to write for other people and I write for a lot of um, just like pop artists, female artists um, that are similar, um, I guess, size artists as me right now, like up and coming. Um, but like, there's always that like side of me that wants to like get in like a Cardi B session one day and like write all like the funny, cool rap. Yeah, I was good. Because I really like, you know, I do have like a knack for like funny, like dad joke lyrics. Not that Cardi B is that, but like just having some like, clever, funny, witty stuff and songs is super cool. And like, I hope to one day do that for other artists. Cause I don't think I could pull it off as like with my ballad anthems right now, but yes. <laughs> no, exactly. I was, I was thinking specifically of rap when I said that, I mean, some of my favorite, you know, contemporary rap songs, they just have hilarious lines in them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. something you can laugh at and, uh, and just, you know, have a good time while you're listening to it. How, how did you like Berkeley? Uh, Cause it's, you know, a lot of, some people like really get a lot out of, going to school for music and, and some, you know, feel like they, they learned more on their own. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, <laughs> I have an interesting take, <laughs> but I'll spare you. I, uh, I definitely learned a lot, but I, le I learned a lot from kind of navigating different things I would see at, at school um, go on there. And um, the, the, the classes are great. The teachers are great. 
Um, but I definitely learned the most from like, you know, Berkeley's like a mini music industry in itself, at least in my experience, it was. Right. Um, and I just, I learned a lot about like what happens in the real industry was happening there in like a mini way and, and how to, you know, kind of jump over barrels myself to get places where I knew I, I belonged um, versus, you know, any other way. <laughs> so there was a, a lot of just me seeing something and like always applying or seeing like, you know, I really took Berkeley and like just took it by storm. And, and I really tried to do everything I could there to make myself known or respected or, you know, well-liked in like my department, um, believing in myself. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of people will say that about it, you know, school in particular it's what you put into it sometimes you know yeah. what i mean if you if you don't put that effort you're not going to get you know the energy back but uh but so you got a lot it sounds like you you kind of learned how to network there or or applied yeah. networking there and um also learned things that weren't necessarily part of the learning objectives of a course but just from seeing what other people were doing being in that environment 100 percent, yeah so so i i guess from you explaining your youtube channel early on you were kind of a social media savvy very early on did you have success with those with those uh you know reasonable success with those first songs that you're putting out as a kid those spoofs not really i think one of them got like two thousand views and like the i I once wrote like a song about a youtuber and he commented (laughs) and like that was cool but (laughs) when i was like 14 and vine was a big thing i wasn't big on vine but a lot of viners would use this platform called you now to live stream and i would it was like this cool thing where if you stayed on for hours and i was in the music tag hashtag music you stayed on for hours under that tag and all the big people would sign off consistently they would all of their fans or watchers would go to you because they signed off and you'd be next up in the hashtag based on mm. watching. And I did get some success from that. That was my first glimpse at like 14 years old where like there was big viners and me like in different categories, like listed on the side of like top viewer in these categories. And um, I like used to, I mean, like at the time, I think I, I gained some Instagram following like 3000, but like at 14, that was a lot yeah. um, for me. Um, and I would get comments like, Jillian, I love you. Oh my God. And then like, and I, years ago too, it wasn't as, you know, ridiculous it as, as it is and now, you know, and now, yeah. now like everyone and their mom has a few thousand followers, yeah. but it's like early Instagram followers, those or days, those, those followers meant more. It seemed like. Yeah. So that, that was a thing. I don't mention that a lot, but I just remembered it. Um, and then I went away to summer camp and I like, you don't, you can't use your phone. So I lost like all contact to that world, like not knowing how important it was back then. Um, and then you now got like taken over by like a different country and never came back. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, then TikTok happened and I made a promise to myself a long time ago that if another app like Vine ever came out, I would I would be successful on it. I would be a creator. I thought I was going to be making like funny videos um, and singing videos, but um, my niche right now is just really like doing the music thing, promoting my singles and hoping it reaches tons of people, which it it has. And it's reached really interesting people like Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal, apparently. So it's been, uh, it's been really cool. 
Yeah. And, and I was going to ask you if that was, you know, if, if you were intentional with that and it sounds like you were, and uh, I think that's probably a thought that people who kind of flirt with the idea of, of being an influencer or, or using social media to, to really push their, their art, whatever that may be, uh, you know, think about that sort of thing. When you see like Vine, you were just talking about that. You, you saw those influencers really, they, you know, they were working at it every single day. And then, yeah. you know, if you came in the middle of it, you might've been like, I, I don't know if, you know, if the organic growth is still possible, if I were to yeah. start now, but maybe if there was a new app, you know, that, that that might happen. So you actually, you had that thought. And so, so how, when did you start really, you know, putting the effort forth on TikTok to, uh, to actually make it happen on, on TikTok? Yeah. I, th- I mean, during quarantine, right when it happened, I would post TikToks and like one of them went viral I don't, and I had no idea what the algorithm was. Like I, it was, I was so new to the app and I was like, Oh, that's so weird. How did this reach so many people? And it wasn't me singing. It was me doing like a, singing like other singers challenge. Cause I can like do impressions sometimes. Mm, nice. um, and uh, that was cool. I don't think it's up anymore, but that was, that was cool. And then I did a riff challenge to like a Madison beer song. And that also went viral, but I still, it was like, I didn't, I didn't know I needed to post every day. I didn't know like that this was because of an algorithm. I just thought like people found it. I had no idea what it was. And then, my manager, Noah, um, who I've been working with for about like two years, um, we really go, go at this whole music thing together. It's really just us two. Um, he started managing a couple of influencers with like millions of followers, but at the time they, I don't know if they had as many. Um, and I think him learning maybe from them or maybe from wanting to know like what their you know, that what they were doing to get there, um, you know, show his artists or tell, you know, me how to market or, you know, me come up with my own marketing stuff and him be like, yeah, that's actually good. Really helped us figure out like what to do and what to do consistently. And, um, I found the car videos really work when you promote music, screaming, crying in the car. And I, (laughs) I had gone viral for singing a Demi Lovato high note like really viral, probably the most viral I had ever gone. And I was like, all right, this is my time. It's my shot. Like I'm going viral. I'm going to post again today of my song. And then that just fever dream just exploded from that video on every video. Um, me of me promoting fever dream. And then my other song, give me a reason really just even on, on TikTok, but also on Instagram reels, just people were flooding in from everywhere. I was on a lot of iTunes charts. I've got a hundred thousand pre-saves on both song. It was just, yeah, it was really cool. It's funny. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a whole psychology behind certain things. Like you said, car videos work well. And then when, and when you think about it, it's like, yes, yeah, so many viral videos that you see are just someone in their car. And I'm sure there's something to do with the, the, uh, at least the appearance of casualness and, oh, uh, and spare of the momentness of it. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and I think it, it goes to show, you know, they say, you know, sometimes you hit success when, when preparation meets opportunity. And so you already had this, this song in the chamber kind of, you know, r- waiting. And then, and then you had this lucky break. Um, 
and, you know, probably mixed with some of your experimenting of, of, of video going viral. And then, so same day you released that, uh, that video for, for fever dream. It, and yeah. that was the song. Yeah. Did you already have the video recorded also, or, no. or are you like, okay, I got it. I know this works and, and I have this song and I'm going to, so I'm going to try this right after this video. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's how that happened. Um, I knew Fever Dream when I wrote it with my two co-writers and like they're my, my friends from school that I wrote it with that I knew it was super special. And there was like a couple of different like distributors we were trying to go through with that song. And they'd be like, oh no, we'll, we'll take the the other song, but not, not like people weren't as, you know, crazy about it as I was. And I started right. to doubt myself and Noah and I were like, oh, like, is this like too mature? Like, is this song like, like, I don't know, because we had a song before that called So What that, you know, it got like a million streams in a few months and that was really big for us. And then yeah. we even got a million streams in like a week. So that like, and then having the story of like people, like a few distributors were like, no, like we don't, a different one. We like this demo, but not that demo. And now we're like, well, we knew, we knew. It yeah. was good. And then I stuck with my gut and uh, I won't forget that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Now you can kind of be like, "Well, you guys were wrong about that one," so I think I'll uh, I'll stick. Oh, with it's one I, of the people actually reached out to Noah and was like, "Oh man, like I was wrong," and I was like, oh, <laughs> "Thank you for admitting it." <laughs> nice, yeah, that's rewarding hearing that. So, tell me a little bit about because uh, uh, I'd love to know, and I'm sure a lot of artists would love to know. Um, because uh, I, I, you know, I was I was surfing around your TikTok, and and it does look like you are making, you know, a conscious effort to um, to to post um, videos and and promote yourself in different ways. Um, do you carve out time like each day? Like like is it has it become kind of like a almost like a part time job, full time job? You know, just being like waking up 10 a.m. I'm gonna like think of some content or do or, you know create something. Yeah, I, I wish I was that structured, but unfortunately I'm not. But sometimes I will brainstorm ideas and put them in my notes and then go make a couple videos or make a couple videos one day and a couple the next. But I'm such like a, I like it to be super genuine. So if I do it that day with a song that I know it's coming out soon um, that has a pre-save link, I know that my reaction on like the first video and my the way I'm talking to the camera will probably be the best one because I'm like the most excited. It's not like take 12 mm. where I'm like, this is yeah. my song guys. Yeah. Um, so I usually like, I guess I'm super like spur of the moment and impatient, but always when I get that first one or second one, it's usually the first, like I edit it right there. I upload it. And then I, I like to go live with my TikTok followers to uh, see what they're up to as the video goes up. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. And I think that probably works for you. Uh, cause you're probably naturally energetic. I feel like some people they might, who are a little bit more mellow might, might have to get it on the eighth day because they might be like, you yeah. gotta drink a coffee or something like that. But, uh, but that's good. You found a, a rhythm that works for you. Yeah. So take us a little bit on, on the journey. We we'd love to, to go on the journey when you posted that you post uh, your fever dream uh, video of you in the car. Um, and this is right after one of your videos went viral. Um, so you were able to take advantage of kind of you being hot in everyone's, you know, algorithm. Did, did you start seeing like people using the sound right away or, or take uh, us on that journey a little bit with you? Yeah, it didn't really, the song didn't blow up from people using the sound or influencers using the sound. It blew up from my videos 
blowing up and everybody, we had it like, we did the pre-save thing for two weeks until the song came out. So for two weeks, I was posting video after video, pre-save link in bio, like if, if you love this song, like I'll, I'll release it early. And I did have intentions to release it early, but by the time we got so many pre-saves, the date was already coming up. Um, so I kind of just left the anticipation, <laughs> make it happen. And um, yeah, it, it just kind of kept going. And ev like it was with Fever Dream, it was every single video like that I posted. People, new people, old people, like real fans now were like just obsessing over the song. And it's a lot, it was a lot of like young girls who just loved the music. And it's not really a song that people could dance to on TikTok. It's like a slow right. power ballad, but it's a song that a lot of people could cry to in their car. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, might have not made videos doing that, but but did that. Sure. <laughs> and they tell me like, this song got me through this. I actually just cried to it in my car. So I gained a fan base in the way that it was from my video specifically, not just the sound going viral on TikTok. It's it's interesting you were really pushing the pre-saves because uh, I've heard discussions with managers and artists about whether pre-saves are worth it or not. Um, obviously, you seem to think that they are and you've had yeah. massive success. So do you have do you see do you feel like you really see the returns on, on release day when you when you got a lot of pre-saves? Yeah, my manager and I, I like to call it our secret formula to our pre-save campaign. And we have a lot of people asking us, well, how do you get those pre-saves? Like, what do you do with those pre-saves? And I'm like. <laughs> Like we have it down to a, we have, that is our method and that is what works for my project. Um, yeah. And uh, we have no doubt that we're going to do it again and again and again with the amount. And yeah, the, the streams with Fever Dream, the streams actually did the, the lowest on the first day and it just started, it just exploded. Like, um, and it's still trekking, like doing a lot per day. Um, but like that first week, first day wasn't as great as the first week, but it stayed consistent. Like it's like, there was a point where it was at like 96,000 streams per day independently. And it, and it's, and it still does somewhere close to that. And then building a fan base from Fever Dream, releasing my next single, I had faith that like, maybe I'd go viral again, or maybe I'd have, I've had, I'd have fans now that would stream just as much. Um, but then yeah, the, my song, Give Me a Reason, did go did go viral uh two videos did on tiktok and a couple on instagram reels and uh that one ended up getting that, that amount of pre-saves as well and doing consistently well like fever dream yeah well. yeah that's awesome so tell us for those who haven't seen the video uh what did uh, shaquille o'neal think about the song I th let me he said something like drop it now so i could put it on my playlist <laughs> <laughs> yes it was really funny and um i'm not the biggest sports fan of all time unfortunately but my i was with my boyfriend and his family like on vacation when that happened and they were like like they're big sports guys they're all really tall like big guys and they were like Shaquille o'neal commented on your video and i i knew who was, <laughs> that was so cool but to them that was like my like lady gaga you know like the right. Insane, and it is sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, Shaquille O'Neal has transcended sports. He's a household name, so that, I mean, it's yeah. epic, regardless of your interests. Okay. So, so tell us. I mean, obviously, you uh, you seem to be doing something that's working very well. Uh, your most recent release is "Give Me a Reason." Mm -hmm. um, uh, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I wrote both Fear Room and Give Me a Reason in quarantine on Zoom with people like I went to Berkeley with, um, different each time. And uh, it was just me and my co-writer, Allie, who I went to school with. And we just, this was like the first time in a long time I had top-lined a beat where we just wrote the song over a track from the producer House of Wolf, who uh, ended up, when we said, we're gonna take this song, can you like work on the production a little more? Like he ended up doing all of that. It stayed his beat. He just made it, he modified it, made it um, more full and more like release ready than the, the demo track. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of hope after Fever Dream that it was gonna, I didn't know if it was gonna happen again where I'd go viral, but I knew that it was gonna stream higher than what happened before Fever Dream. Um, so I was, I was excited and um, the music industry loves to, you know, test people and see like, oh, is it going to happen again? Or is it a one time thing? And, right, right. and I'm in a place where like, I feel I have to do it again and again and again to just show, you know, people who are taking interest in me that this is not a one time thing. This is a lifelong thing. And it's a, it's a, it's a real ass artist career yeah um, you're and, killing uh, it as an independent artist and that, and that song got a hundred thousand pre-saves as well right yes yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and so you knew it would do better because you knew you had already developed uh you know a, a fan base so yeah. you knew that it there that you were starting at a new place when yeah. that song was coming out yeah um and yeah, it it did the same thing in the in pre-saves wise, and it's and it's doing pretty close to what Fever Dream did in the same time span that we're on. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been nice. So, yeah, totally. Thanks for and thanks for sharing uh, that with us. I, I think that's so informative to to people who just feel lost out there as far as social media goes and um, and how their their art can can mix with that. So so what's next for Jillian Rossi? What are you working on? What are you what are you hoping to do in the in the next you know, year or two. Yeah, I have a new single coming out this month, which is very exciting. We're uh, gonna start the whole pre-save TikTok car video, like little campaign. <laughs> we call it a campaign because it's kind of like a yeah. thing before the release, um, coming very soon. And then another single after that, and then an EP that I'm very, very excited about. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm doing all of that independently. And then um, I think after that EP, I wanna lock down a record label that um i have hopes that this will it will work out <laughs> um and then do maybe another ep and then a full album type of situation i think that when i do an album i do want to be signed just because of the amount of work and visuals and like i think a bigger team would would be really important for that yeah yeah you know it's a it's an interesting question because you're you're killing it as an independent artist um uh, you know doing better numbers than probably a lot of artists who are signed um but uh, like you said it's uh it's a lot of work um so the question yeah. is you know where's the trade-off and i know some artists say you know they kind of hire labels at with kind of an a la carte approach like i'm gonna hire you to do this job you know it's not yeah. you signing me it's like i'm signing you to do some yeah. work for me for me that's um, what like i see it becoming at this point i have been in a lot of i'm being transparent here i've been in a lot of conversations with a lot of different record labels and um i'm at a point where i 
I definitely do want to sign, but I want to sign for a project going forward. And I, and I want it, and I would like it to be like a, an album deal where um, my fans always ask me, can you put out an album? Can you put out an album? And, and I guess there's that my fear in putting out an album is it just being me and my manager. And I think we could definitely do it. And we're very hardworking, um, but like visuals wise and having the right tracks in the right order and, and, you know, we could do it, but I think like having that support of like a bigger team that really believes in me, um, honestly, transparent, bigger budget, bigger music video budget, everything, um, would be what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, I've talked to people in, in, in radio and, and the music industry. And so sometimes people forget too, that, you know, like Berkeley, just that label is kind of a network and, yes. uh, you know, it's like, Hey, uh, I'm on the same label as this guy. So when, uh, they go on tour or when they do a festival, uh, they're going to bring you along or, or, you know, and, yeah. and labels are really, you know, they're, they're getting really in tight with the streamers now too. So it, you know, plays in all the playlisting and all that. Yeah. yeah. So Jillian, uh, thank you so much. That was so entertaining and and so oh, informative. It was really interesting listening to, uh, to your, your journey so far. Uh, we'd like to end the interview by asking if you had one piece of advice for aspiring artists, what would it be? Yeah. If I had one piece of advice for aspiring artists, it's that to never give up, and, you know, if Lady Gaga always says this, but I'm going to say it, um, all it takes, there could be a room full of 100 people and all it takes is one, to the right one to believe in you. And I truly believe that. Totally. I, I, there's a compilation of her uh, saying that. Uh, like, a million you, times. Yeah, like a million times. And she's talking about like Bradley Cooper, I think, or something like that. But uh, yeah. but I mean, look at you. You you had that Fever Dream song and a bunch of people were like, no, give us a different, give us another song. And yeah. That was the song.